minutes. Let's go ahead and pray. We'll get started. My Heavenly Father, I thank you. My Heavenly Father, I thank you. My Tarazzate condo soto, tandala kiate suto tasa. Tanda soto tiate, kalalatiande, porotiate sandako soto, halatiate kandasate toto. Where can you go but the Lord? Where can you go but the Lord? Did not I promise you, if you will seek me, you will find me. Did not I promise you that when you look for me, you would find me and I would help you and I would strengthen you and I would be your God and you would be my people. Did not I promise that? Where can you go but me? Amen. Thank you, Father. Father, open our eyes that we can see. Open our ears that we can hear. Open our hearts like you did for Lydia. That we can attend to the things which are spoken. Turn us from darkness to light, from the power of Satan unto God. And Father, for thy glory, for thy glory, let us only see Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen. That kind of snuck up on me. All right, if you will turn with me to John 10. We are going to read our verse. John 10, 35, Jesus speaking. He said, if he called them gods unto whom the word of God came. The word of God came to these men. He said, and the scriptures cannot be broken. The scripture cannot be broken. If there is ever an anchor in your life, if there is a ground you can stand on, it is the Word of God. Because it won't change and you can't break it. You can't break it. If you will believe it, if you will make that choice to trust it, it cannot be broken and what you are looking for will come to pass. That is a promise. It's the Word of God. And the Word of God cannot be broken. And that is a wonderful thing to know. Turn with me to 1 Peter. Chapter 3, verse 1. Likewise, you wives, this is women, be in subjection to your own husbands, that if any obey not the word. Notice. If any obey not the word. It doesn't say if they don't obey the preacher. If they don't obey their church doctrine. It says, if they don't obey the word, if any obey not the word, they also with, may without the word be won by the conversation, the behavior of the wives. While they behold your chase, your pure conversation, your behavior coupled with fear. Notice, you don't always have to preach to the man. You just live it. He can't help but see it. All right? Now it says, Who adorning let not be that outward adorning of the plaiting of the hair, and of the wearing of gold or putting on apparel, but let that adorning be the hidden man of the heart. The heart, that which is not corruptible. That which is not corruptible. Do you see that? The hidden man of the heart which is not corruptible. Did you know you can get there? 
that there would be no corruption in you at all. All right? Even the ornament of a meek and a quiet spirit, which in the sight of God is of great price. Now, of great price. In the sight of God, of great price. Now, I want us to go back to get to that great price, to get to that meek and quiet spirit. We are doing it, like I've said before, we are doing it from the inside out. You can act meek and quiet. But you know what? Satan knows where those buttons are. And I'm here to tell you, God does too. God does too. And he will punch the buttons. And we are no longer meek and quiet. But you know why God punches the buttons? So we can get out what is not meek and quiet, so the meek and quiet can remain. And that's what we're doing here in these meetings. We are working on the inside. We are healing the inside. We are healing the heartbreaks. We are healing the bruisings. We are healing the fears. That's what these meetings are for. We are healing the inside, so the meek and quiet spirit will be shown on the outside. Do you know what the wonderful thing is? God deals. God deals with the heart. The very depths of the heart. Those things that you don't want anybody to see. Those things you don't want anybody to touch. God can deal with them. God can reach there. God can touch them. Sometimes it hurts, but I tell you what. If you remember being a little kid, and God brought this up to me yesterday. If you remember being a little child and you got a sliver in your finger, oh, you knew it was going to hurt to get that sliver out. But where did you run to? You run to mommy or daddy. No one was going to hurt, but you knew when mommy and daddy pulled that out, it was going to hurt for a little bit and then you were going to be okay. Well, your God is the same way. You can run to him where it hurts. And he may hurt it for a little bit, but then it'll be okay. He will justify. He will heal. He will forgive. He will fix that thing in you that you don't want anybody to touch. All right? Now, let's go to 2 Corinthians 5. I'm going to go to verse 17. And we are going to go back to where we were last week a little bit, and we're going to pick up from there. Verse 17. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. All things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Notice it becomes new. doesn't happen overnight, but it does become new. And it goes on. It says, to wit, that God, oh, all things are of God. Verse 18. And all things are of God. All things are of God. Who hath reconciled us to himself by Christ Jesus. I was a grammar teacher. We are going to go this phrase by phrase because there's three phrases here that are very important to our hearts. It says, all things are God. Who has reconciled us? Reconciled us. Brought us back. Reconciled us. That reconcile means to receive into his favor. To receive. Reconciled means to receive into his favor. So God has reconciled us. We know that's God because he's in the last phrase. And all things are God. Who? So it's God's talking. It says, has reconciled us where? Does he reconcile us 
and then leave us out in the middle of nowhere alone? That's what it feels like sometimes, but no. What does the verse say? Reconcile us to himself. To himself. Oh, this was a glorious thing when I found this. You know, at first, I had understanding that because of the gospel, I was justified from all things. I understood that my sins were all forgiven. I understood that the blood of Jesus cleansed me of all sin, but I felt like I was out in the middle of nowhere and nowhere to go. But it says he reconciled us to himself. There's where we go. That's what he does to himself. Do you see you're reconciled to God? You're not just taken away from the devil. You're reconciled to God. You are not alone. You're not put out the pasture. And you're not expected to walk perfect without a God. You are reconciled to God. You are reconciled to him. Do you see what the word of God says? Do you see that it cannot be broken? You are reconciled to God. And you're looking at that going, hmm, I'm not sure. Well, let's, go. let's keep going. It says, reconciled himself to himself by Jesus Christ. That's how we were reconciled. It had nothing to do with how you act. And it has nothing to do with how you feel. You were reconciled to God, not with what you did, by Jesus Christ. You were reconciled to God by Jesus Christ. Now, this is the wonderful thing. Did you ask for it? No. Did you deserve it? No. But he did it anyway. He did it anyway. You didn't deserve being reconciled to God, but by Jesus Christ, he did it anyway. Anyway. Now, let's go back. It says, all things are God who reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ and has given to us the ministry of reconciliation, to wit, that God was in Christ, reconciling the world unto himself. We saw that last week. Everything that Jesus did, it was the Father in him. Everything that Jesus said, it was not the words of Jesus. It was the Father's Spirit coming, using the mouth of Jesus to speak. That's what the Holy Ghost does. It uses you. You're the vessel, and it uses you. And it's the same thing that happened to Jesus. God had a vessel, a clean one that he could use, and he used Jesus. He used Jesus' voice, he used Jesus' heart, he used Jesus' hands, he used Jesus' faith. That's what God did. And now we see here that he did it for this reason, that God was in Jesus, reconciling the world unto himself. So those of you that said, oh, well, they reconciled that one, but he didn't reconcile me. It says right here, he reconciled the world unto himself. So there you are. I believe that everyone that hears my voice is in this world. This world. He reconciled the world. The world to himself. And you say, well, how come the world isn't walking with them? Because we won't believe. Because we won't believe. That's the only deal. We won't believe. 
He reconciled the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, and has committed unto us the word of reconciliation. Now, then we are ambassadors for Christ. That's what I do here. I'm an ambassador to Christ. Do you know an ambassador to Christ is a man and a woman? It says, ambassadors for Christ, as though God did beseech you by us, we pray you in Christ's stead. Paul is saying, I'm Jesus, I'm in Jesus' place, standing here telling you, be you reconciled to God. Be reconciled. Be reconciled. You didn't even know you could be. You can be. And Paul is persuading the Corinthians, I'm in Jesus' stead, be reconciled. He wouldn't say it if you cannot be, and you can be. And we're going to look at this. And how? How are we reconciled? This next verse. For God, because this is God, he's talking about God. For God has made him to be sin for us. Made who? Jesus. Look at that word made. Look at that word made. Look at that word made. God made Jesus to be sin for us. God made Jesus to be sin for us. It wasn't a voluntary act. God made Jesus to be sin for us who knew no sin. That man never sinned when he was on the earth. That man, yes, he was a man. We've gone over that before. Jesus was a man, and we're going to see that Jesus was a man. He made him to be sin for us who knew no sin that we might be, be made, that we might be made the righteousness of God in Jesus. Turn with me to Hebrews 10, some of my very favorite verses. Hebrews 10, I'm going to begin in verse 4. Oh, get this in your hearts. Get this in your hearts. God wants you reconciled to himself. And he went a far great distance to get you there. To get you there. He paid, even God paid a price that we cannot even imagine. I cannot imagine giving one of my sons up to be crucified for somebody else. But that's what God did. He gave his only son who was with daily his delight and he gave him up to die and be crucified. Why? For you. For you. I'd say that's love. Now, verse 4. For it is not possible that the blood of bulls and goats can take away sins. Wherefore, when he cometh into the world, Jesus, Jesus comes into the world, he saith, sacrifice an offering that wouldest not. And look at this next phrase. But a body has not prepared me. A body. God had a body for Jesus to get into. He had a body for Jesus to get into. He had a body prepared for him, and Jesus knew it. Knew that God had a body for him. Why? Jesus needed a body. He needed a body. He needed to become a man like you and I, and he needed a body. You know, it could have been perfectly possible for Jesus to walk like an angel on earth and heal all those people. Could have been perfectly possible to walk around like an angel and heal everybody that came to him, 
to say the things that God wanted to say, to do the things God wanted to do, but, but he needed a body to go to the cross. He needed a body to go to the cross. You can't kill a God. You can't. And God needed somebody to die for you. He needed somebody to take your place and take your punishment and take your sin and take your sickness and your curses. He needed somebody to do it for you. And you can't do it in a God's body. Jesus had to have a human body and he had to die. The only way to do that was to give up all his godly ability, all of it, and become a man so he could die, so he could die for you, so he could die for you. Let's go on with that verse. It says, but a body hast thou prepared me. In burnt offerings and sin sacrifices for sins thou hast had no pleasure. It says, then said I, then said Jesus, lo, I come. In the volume of the book, it is written of me to do whose will? God's will. Thy will. Thy will, oh God. Jesus came to do the will of the Father. The will of the Father. Jesus didn't come on his own. And he didn't come. He didn't tell the Father, look, God, give him a break. I'll go down there and die for him. That's not what happened. God sent him. God sent him. Jesus said, I'll do your will. Father, I'll do your will. Do you see that? Jesus did the Father's will. It was the Father's will that he died for you. It was the Father's will that Jesus died for you. It was the Father's will that Jesus died for me. It was the Father's will. And Jesus said, lo, in the book it is written of me. And it is. All the Old Testament, all the New Testament, all talk about Jesus, all talk about the, the man, the, the God that became a man and came down here and became our sacrifice. It talks about it from Genesis to Revelation. It is written. It is written. Jesus said in 1 Corinthians 15 that the gospel is that Jesus died according to the scriptures. Do you know when Paul said that? There wasn't Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John yet. They hadn't been written. It says, or if they were written, they weren't passed around. Who was, what was he referring to? He was talking about the Old Testament. To the scriptures. He died according to the scriptures. When you read that Bible and God opens your eyes, it's everywhere. It's everywhere. He was coming. And he was coming as a man. And he was going to die on the cross. And he was going to ride a donkey. And he was going to shed his blood. And he was going to rise again. All through the scriptures. And then he died. And that he was buried. And that he rose again according to the scriptures. It was settled from before Genesis. What Jesus was going to do for us. For you. For me. Now let's go to Romans. Let's go to Romans 4. I mean, I mean, Romans 5. Let's go to Romans 5. I'm going to begin in verse 8 again. 
I know we do these scriptures over and over again, but you know what? I know what the Spirit of God does. It pounds it into your heart. The, the Word of God is a fire and a hammer. And I tell you what, you can't hear this just one time and be able to walk in it. It burns. It pounds. And you've got to walk it, and you've got to make the choice to believe it. You have to make a choice to trust it. To trust these words when your heart says something totally different. You have to make the choice to trust these words. To trust these words. And that those, when you do that, when you make the decision, when you make the choice, I'm going to believe this and not how I feel. Because my feelings don't matter anyway. It's the word of God that can't be broken. You can break my emotion every five minutes. The word of God can't be broken. I make the choice to believe this word, to trust this word, to look at, to stand on this word. That is faith. That is believing. I trust this word. When you do that, that word will abound through your life, and it will come to pass. It will come to pass. Now it says, but God commended, verse 8, his love toward us. God commendeth his love toward us. Do you see those words? God commendeth. He proved. He showed his love to us. Did you know that God is love? Did you know that God is love? You stand there and you say, and I've said it a million times. I don't know if you love me. God, I don't know if you love me. He is love. He is love. He can't help but love me because he is love. So when your little body says, God doesn't love me, you're believing a lie. The word of God commended his love to us, showed his love to us. And when you're in that bedroom and you shut the door and you got the devil screaming in your ear that God is not for you, he doesn't love you, he's kicking you out, all that kind of stuff, you can stand there and say, it is written. It is written. God is love. He is stuck with me. I've told him the same. You're stuck with me. You are love. You got to love me whether you want to or not. You are love. And then you hear him laugh. Yeah. Because he does. All right. For God commendeth his love toward us. And while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. When you were a sinner, Jesus died for you. When you were at your very worst. When you were running with the crowd. When you were smoking and drinking and partying and all that kind of stuff. That's when Jesus died for you. Did you ask for it? No. Did you want it? No. Did you deserve it? No. No. But he did it anyway. He did it anyway. You didn't want him to die for you. You didn't ask him to die for you. You didn't deserve that he died for you. But he did it anyway, anyway.
and you can read that riot act right back to the devil. He did it anyway. Uh, it says, Christ, uh, but God commendeth his love toward us, and while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than being now justified by his blood, that blood came out of that body that God had for him. That blood came out of that body that God prepared for him. You couldn't get that blood out of an angel, but you could get it out of a body. That's why he had to have a body. But justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through Jesus. For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled, brought back to God, to God, not reconciled to nowhere, reconciled to God, to God. Folks, the door is open. The arms are stretched out, like he said in Isaiah. My arms are stretched out still. His arms are stretched out. Be you reconciled. For if we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son. Much more being reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. We shall be saved by his life. What life? That life of Jesus in you. In you. When you are reconciled to Jesus, you are born again. When you are reconciled to God, that spirit of Jesus comes in you. You are born again. Jesus said you must be born again. And it says we will be saved by him. How? That spirit of Jesus in you you in you and you know what that word saved i love this word and everybody knows here what that word is we shall be saved by his life that word is sozo sozo we will be saved by his life his life in us you know what sozo means it doesn't mean a one-time thing that happens down at an altar oh that's a wonderful thing and that is a miracle that brought you from from death into life. When that spirit of Jesus comes in you, you live forever. As long as that spirit of Jesus is in you, you will live forever. Your eternity just began. But that word sozo goes so much further. You know what the word sozo means? It means safety. It means when you got Jesus in you and you know it, you can go down to the marketplace and not be afraid you're somebody's target. You know, when you got Jesus in you, that sozo, that means safety. It means safety. And it doesn't mean only safety for you. It means you can have faith that your kids are going to be okay. God can protect them. Why? Because it's sozo. Sozo. Sozo means, it means um, benefits. It means benefit. It means welfare. Why would you want a welfare of a government when you can have the welfare of God? You know that man's rich? Do you know God is rich? Do you know when you got his welfare, you are well taken care of? That's what reconciliation brings you. So, so. It brings you wealth. It brings you what you need to survive in this world. Oh, it may not happen the first night, but it will happen. It will happen when you walk with Jesus. It can't help to happen. Why? Because you got the man 
in you. You got the rich man in you. And when you got the rich man in you, the riches start coming to the man. Did you ask for it? No. Did you deserve it? No. But he did it anyway. He did it anyway. He took your sin on his body anyway. He took your curses on his body anyway. Sozo means that's all gone. Sozo means total soundness. Spirit, body, and soul. When you are walking in that, sozo includes the broken heart fixed. It includes the bruised words fixed. You know what? It's a whole lot easier not to have a broken heart when you know that God that made the heavens and the earth loves you. Loves you. Is for you. Is on your side. Will guide you. And like I said, the splinter may hurt for a moment, but then it's okay. Then everything's cool. Now, let's go back to 1 Corinthians, or 2 Corinthians 5, I just want to read this. It says, uh, verse 20, it says, Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God did beseech you by us. God did beseech you. God did beseech, he's asking. We pray you in Jesus' stead, be you reconciled to God. Be you reconciled to God. Paul, speaking through Jesus in him, said, be you reconciled to God. It is not hard to be reconciled. You know, all you have to do is open your mouth. Be sincere and open your mouth. Jesus said, you must be born again. You must be. And that's the reconciliation. That's part of it. But, that part of reconciliation when you were born again, when you asked Jesus to come into your heart, then the Son of God comes in your heart and you begin to become a Son of God. That's when the process starts. God begins reconciling you back to Himself. You know what? One, number one here, God wants you reconciled. He wants you reconciled. Do you hear what that verse says? God beseeched you. He wants you reconciled. It doesn't matter where you are. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter what position you are in. He wants you reconciled. And when you, are, when you go to him, it says in Romans 10, it says, those that call on the name of the Lord shall, shall be saved, shall be reconciled, shall be fixed. Amen. Thank you for joining Kathy Davidson and the ministers of music from Water of Life Church. She would love to hear from you. You may reach her by email at kd at kdwol.com or you may write her at Kathy Davidson, care of Water of Life Church, Post Office Box 861-327, Plano, Texas 75086. You may find her on the internet at www.kdwol.com and on Facebook and Twitter. Until next time, God bless.